Thank you for listening to the A Stomping Ground on 365 Sportscast. The A Stomping Ground is sponsored by Dent Solutions of Napa Valley, House Doctors Painting of San Jose, and American Asphalt of Hayward. Now, back with you for another hour of Ace Talk, your host, Brandon Greco. Wow, what a run. 13-game winning streak after starting the year 0-6. What else could you ask for? I mean, honestly, what else could you ask for from this baseball team? They came out and looked terrible. And then they just 13 in a row. I'm speechless. Even though I have an hour left. But 13 in a row. I can't believe that they pulled that out. After starting as bad as they did. After giving the fan base zero hope for probably that two week run that they had. And then to just turn around and be like, hey watch this, never mind. We got this. Fooled you. 13-0. and And now you're in a spot that you probably <laughs> didn't imagine that you were going to be in. In a spot where you're tied for first in the American League West. And have one of the best records in baseball. All after starting 0-6. <sighs> Man. So, a crazy couple weeks of baseball. And the schedule... It's about to flip over into May. It's going to be some tough games, but first we have this series against Tampa Bay, which hasn't also not a bad start. So we'll talk about this Tampa Bay series. We'll talk about the Baltimore series and kind of a little bit more in depth on that 13 game winning streak. And, you know, we'll talk about upcoming schedule and we'll talk about who still needs to step up. Per usual, we'll talk about that. And also, the dings and dents of the team. Mike Fires is coming back, but there's still some un- other injuries. So let's get into that for a quick second. Dings and dents, of course, is sponsored by Dent Solution. How many of us have parked far away to try and avoid having someone or something dent our car? If you are like me and love your ride, I guarantee you hate dents. It can be a hassle dealing with insurance or simply finding that correct paint job for that fine finish. Well, it doesn't have to be a hassle. Dent Solutions specializes in the art of paintless dent repair. Just like you need a specialist for neck and back pain, when you have a dent or a ding, you need the dentologist. With Dent Solution of the Napa Valley, San Rafael, Marin, Petaluma, Novato, Fairfield, and Vacaville. For over three decades, Ian Cordol has provided five-star service, specializing in world-class repairs. It's a true art, and if you're a victim of unsightly dents and dings, then the dentologist is your fast, affordable solution to those minor dents and dings. So the injuries that this team has, still AJ Puck, hopefully one of these days we'll be able to have an outing where he doesn't get hurt. He's still going to be hurt. No real timetable that I've heard on him. Chad Pender... I keep. I heard when he first got hurt that, that he wasn't expected back soon. That was a couple weeks ago. I guess that was actually 
the Dodgers series, that was very quick into the season, so he should be back fairly soon compared to what the reports were when he first got hurt. Maybe another week or so without Chad Pinder. Obviously, Trevor Rosenthal isn't there. He's going to be out for another <laughs> couple months. But, that being said, there's someone that came off. Mike Fires. welcome back to the rotation. Very interesting what they did with that, but before I do, we'll keep going down the transactions and stuff. Jordan Weems got alter got option to the alternate training site, and Raymond Guadine got activated from the 10-day injury list. A couple things. One, I finally learned how to say his last name. And two, why? Why is, how is this guy still on the team? There's been pitchers that have come up and done great since he's got hurt. Our bullpen's been really great. Him and Kolarik started the year very poorly. Guadine got hurt. Kolarik ended up kind of bouncing back and not pitching so bad. But then with Mike Fires coming back, Kolarik gets optioned down to the alternate site. So now you lose a lefty in the bullpen, and you put another right-handed pitcher in the rotation that is featuring three left-handed pitchers. So before we get into what's the last week's schedule and the rest of the show, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about the rotation and bullpen kind of situation that's going on. So Mike Fires is coming back. He came back. And he may start in the rotate he may start in the bullpen. I haven't seen anything about when his first start's gonna be yet. So he might get kind of worked up a little bit. But they optioned the lefty out of the bullpen, which now I think leaves Jake Diekman as the only lefty down there. But you look at the rotation and there's Montas and Chris Bassett are the two righties. And then you have Irvin, Lazardo, and Manaya, who are the lefties. So you might think that one of them is going to move to the bullpen. I think it should be Cole Irvin. I think the A's might be leaning towards Jesus Lazardo. Sean Manaya obviously is going to be in the rotation. The thing with Jesus Lazardo and Cole Irvin that gets interesting is when you look at the two, obviously you would think that it should be Cole Irvin. Lazardo, number one prospect, number one pitching prospect. Give the guy a chance, right, in the rotation. Let him figure it out. He's got to just be put out there in order to kind of have a chance and to figure out what's going on. But he's been too inconsistent, way too inconsistent with his starts. He's kind of getting into a pattern of a good start, and then a poor start. A good start, and then a poor start. A good start, and then a poor start. His last two starts, if you put his numbers together, aren't terrible. Really, Austin Hayes. I mean, Austin Hayes hit two home runs against him, and the A's lost that game 2-8-1. to eight to one. So I guess when Jesus Azardo left, he gave up three runs, left two pitches up, so really not a bad start, you're going to make mistakes, and in this league, they're going to get hit. I mean, not all the time, but there's a pretty good chance that anyone in that box is going to be able to hit a home run at any time and hit your mistakes. 
And that's what happened to him. And then the bullpen came in and just kind of blew it anyway. So it really wouldn't have mattered. It didn't matter too much that he gave up the three runs. The offense wasn't there. The game that ended the losing streak was kind of... It kind of looked like the first game of the year where they were down. They maybe take, make like a little stride and then the other team just pummels them at the end. Obviously the A's have passed that as in that's not something that we're going to have to worry about very often. It's just one of those days, one of those games, I think. And to win 13 in a row, I was watching that game. It was 3-1. to one. The offense wasn't hitting. I'm like, really? We're about to lose to Baltimore. And I'm like, you know what? We just won 13 games in a row. You can't win them all. It's literally impossible. You're going to lose one. So what? You lose to Baltimore, right? There's At least it's not a division team. It's not Tampa Bay. It's not one of these teams that you might be seeing at the end. It's Baltimore, right? They're... Even the worst teams are going to win 50 to 60 games a year. They're going to get a couple. They're professionals. It's going to happen. So you lose to Baltimore. And now there's Mike Fires coming back. And like I said, the bullpen. Now with Caleric gone, maybe Cole Irvin or Jesus Uzardo could move down there. And if I was a betting man, which I am not, the obvious choice would be Cole Irvin. But I think that Jesus Uzardo is going to be moved down there. And I think that that's kind of like, you know, not super obvious to people that aren't watching closely. Because Jesus Uzardo has electric stuff. He strikes out pretty much it seems like however many guys get a hit off of him, he's going to strike out that same amount of guys. He has eight strikeouts, seven hits. Eight strikeouts, nine hits, you know. So for him, he's just got to be consistent. And it seems like the bullpen could be a spot where instead of him worrying about coming out and trying to get through seven innings... Remember, though, he has not pitched a full season. And this is his third year, technically. His third time being with the A's. But he has not pitched a full season. He came up out of the bullpen in 2019... Last year he was in the rotation in the 60-game season. What is that, like six or seven starts? And now this year, he's in the rotation to start the year. But I think moving him to the bullpen would not be terrible. I'm not saying move Lazardo to the bullpen because Cole Irvin has just pitched so great these past two weeks. He pitched against Detroit and Baltimore. I think the two teams that had the number one pick in the draft the past two years, so literally the two worst teams in baseball, if you look at that. Um, so, it's kind of hard to judge. Against Detroit, he pitched very well. Against Baltimore, it was honestly a little bit shaky at first, and then he kind of settled in, uh, which was kind of, kind of concerning to me, because it was Baltimore, but, you know, it's baseball, stuff happens. It just seems like he has more of a feel of his stuff, though, compared to Lizardo, which is crazy because Lizardo's up there striking like seven guys out a game but on the other hand if he's not striking you out you're getting a base hit off him or you're walking the walks still need to go down he did pretty good with the walks against Minnesota against Baltimore I think he had two walks so get those down but first full season 
it wouldn't be a bad idea to move him to the bullpen, especially in the beginning of the year. Kind of feel things, get like a feel of his pitches, learn how to pitch, because that seems to be the thing on Jesus Rosardo, is that he's just a thrower and not a pitcher. So maybe some time with the bullpen could do him good. Let him hang around. He's Mero Petit, who's getting guys out throwing 84. Let him hang around those guys. Get some knowledge, you know, just take in the wisdom. And then go back to the rotation when you're when you're finally ready. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are probably putting a lot of pressure on Jesus Cesardo. But it's his first full year. Not many guys are able to just come up and do it. I mean, you could say, but Brandon, he pitched a couple, he pitched, what was it, seven innings in 2019, and he made a couple starts last year, and he has a couple playoff starts. Yeah, that's cool. He's still very young. He's still very young and has not had a full season. The experience will benefit him down the road of having that early and struggling. That will show up and that will benefit him. But right now, it's all a learning process. Not a lot of guys just come up and it clicks. So, you know, Madison Bumgarner, for example. I remember watching a game 2011 against the Minnesota Twins where I think he gave up eight runs in two innings. Maybe honestly didn't even make it out of the first inning. A couple years ago, or a couple starts ago, Jesus Rosado didn't make it out of the second inning. Gave up eight runs. Now, I am not saying that means that Jesus Rosado will be like Madison Bumgarner. I am saying Madison Bumgarner, early in his career, like a lot of pitchers, don't come up and just shove for seven innings consistently every start. You're going to have your bad starts. It's just going to be a matter of can he figure out how to control his stuff better, really. Can he figure out how to actually pitch and not just throw his pitches? So that being said, we talked about that loss that the A's had, that Lazardo outing. Well, let's get back to where we left off, which was last Wednesday against Minnesota. What a game. 13-12. to 12. And in the middle of that run, it was just such an offensive heavy game. The A's were up 7-4. to four, And you're like, man, there's no way this is going to be the final score. A's end up scoring 6 more. The Twins end up scoring 8. 13-12. That was such a crazy game. The entire time I was watching that game, I never once felt the A's were out of it, right? I mean, they went up 7-4, to four, and then the Twins, they score 3, make it 7-7, seven, seven, and then the next half inning, they score 3. Wow, my math ain't... Yeah, they're at 10. They're at 10, right? So they score 3 back-to-back innings. They're at 10. The A's are at 7 after just now getting outscored 6, unearned, or six unanswered runs. The A's in the bottom of the 6th, the after the Twins score three, well, then you get a two-run homer. Right back into the game. And then you tie it in the ninth. You tied it in the ninth. I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. Like I said, you never think that the A's are out of it. But that being said, I've talked a lot about this team's ability to not get runners in. 
from scoring position in less than two outs. That's the second time that the A's have had a walk-off that has been from a ninth-inning sacrifice fly. The first time, Elvis Andrews. This time, Matt Chapman, who will be talked about later in the show. Then it's 12-2. As instantly as we tie the game, Byron Buxton hits a two-run home run at the top of the inning to give them the 12-10 lead. And at that point, then I did think, I was like, oh, cripes. Now we got to score two. We got them three to win. Well, have no fear. The Twins' defense, thankfully, will not be here. They made two errors with two outs in the ninth inning with the bases loaded that could have ended the game. All thanks to the fact of the extra inning runner on second rule. Thank you. Why? Josh Donaldson for the Twins was the runner that was supposed to start on second base. He had, he was just recently off the 10-day IL with a lower leg injury. So they're not going to have him run to start the top of the 10th. They bring in Blankenhorn. He hit, so you hit the two-run home run, and it doesn't even matter anyway. So I was like, oh, maybe we could have left Dawson out there. Whatever, you know, Blankenhorn is second. Arias, who's been playing second all series, goes to third. Bases loaded, two outs. Mark Canna hits a ground ball at second base to Blankenhorn. He boots it. Right, so now you're feeling good. You have the chance. Ramon Laureano comes up very good at bat after being down 0-2. I think worked it through a full count, or at least 2-2. Two and two, Fouled off a couple pitches. Hit the ball very hard at Arias. Good things happen when you make contact. Good things happen when you make contact, which is what I've been saying. And then he throws it down the right field line. You score three unanswered runs. The one streak goes into Baltimore, and then you take the first two in Baltimore. But what's nice, like I said last week, you know, you had the delay, and you had the free off day on last Monday, and then you have the off day following the 13-12 to game on Thursday. So this team, after not having a lot of off days and then not scheduled to have a lot of off days, really got quite lucky. That doubleheader that they played, Shamanaya through the entire first game. Jesus Rosario pitched five and a third, so Diekman and Trevino combined through an inning in two thirds, and then you have an off day. So your bullpen is very, very, very fresh for a series against Baltimore, which probably, to be honest, may not be needed as much as you know the Twins or the Rays, and that's exactly what happened the first game. The A's won 3-1. to one. That was the Cole Irvin game. Five and a third. This is what I was kind of talking about. Eight hits. He gave up. But one earned run. So the thing with Irvin is that he's giving up base runners. He's going to give up base runners. And you just got to hope that he doesn't give up the big hit. Which is exactly what he did against Houston. But not what's happened against Detroit and Baltimore. Well, gee, let me think. It's because both of them stink. It's honestly because both of them stink. Cole Irvin, in four starts, gave up eight earned runs in his first two to Houston and has given up one in his last two to Baltimore and Detroit. So for Cole Irvin on last week's show, you haven't really, you heard me say you haven't really seen a start from him. He's had a poor starts and he's had a really good start. This was kind of... 
you give up one and run and five and a third, you'd say that's a pretty good start. But if you go, if you give up one earned run and you can't even make it past six innings, something went wrong. And it was the nine base runners that he allowed. And in a stretch against Houston, he gave up seven hits, one walk, five hits, one walk. Didn't he hasn't made it out of the sixth inning? Other than the Detroit game. So from Cole Irvin, if what's happening where Lazardo could move to the bullpen, you're going to have to step up or you're about to instantly switch places. We've seen Cole Irvin face the best team, maybe the second best team offensively in baseball in Houston, and we've seen him face two of the worst teams. So what's he going to do against a team that on one day could go and score one? Well, I guess Baltimore. They're not going to be scoring eight runs often. But let's say a team... Like Minnesota, honestly. If let's see him pitch, if he would have pitched in that Minnesota series, well, may not have ended so great. You know, Frankie Montas kind of got hit around that second game against Minnesota. Yeah, Cole Irvin could have been right there with him. But anyway, you win three to one. You extend the win streak to twelve. You're feeling good. And Saturday, that that was nice. That was a nice game. 7-2, and really, at no point in that game did it feel like Baltimore had any chance. The A's came out and scored four runs in the first two innings, and Baltimore scored one, and then the A's in the fourth inning go and score three. That was all the scoring for the game. But you have seven runs after four innings. I mean, it would be nice to add on for like the entertainment factor, but odds are you're not going to need to score more runs. Chris Bassett was pitching. He's kind of bounced back after two rough starts. Though be it against Detroit and Baltimore. He did have a start against Arizona. So, also kind of like Cole Irvin, he's had two rougher starts against Detroit or against Houston and the Dodgers and then against Arizona, Detroit and Baltimore. 5 innings and then 6 innings. And then he's given up two and runs in each of the starts. So he's pitching a lot better. And I think that those three starts, just Arizona, Detroit, and Baltimore, are going to be good for him because he hasn't had a lot of control, it seems like. Some control issues to start the year. So those are perfect starts for Chris Bassett to kind of morph back into how he was pitching last year. I think that that was really big for him to get another win. And then we go back to... Sunday, the 8-1 to game. Three hits. One of them came in the ninth inning. Well, Jed, Jed Lowry, I mean, there really isn't much to talk about. Lazardo didn't pitch terrible. Six and two-thirds, three earned runs. And then Deloise Guerra came in and pitched really bad. After have been pitching really good his first couple times out. So, one of those days where you come in, you give up a home run, and then you walk the next four guys. Yikes. That's pretty bad. That's not a recipe for success, my friend. And Caleric came in and pitched that game, and he faced one bat or two batters, three batters actually. A hit, a walk, and a strikeout, no runs. So he got the boot, Caleric. Guerra 
also kind of a, a guy that got brought up with some bullpen injuries. So there might be some more bullpen moves to come, but really not too sure. But eight and one, eight to one, that's how they lost to Baltimore. All right, you're feeling good. You can't be upset, right? You just won 13 in a row. Yeah, you lost one. You go to Tampa Bay, and this is Sean Manaya's. I don't know if this is something that got a lot of attention, but I noticed this in like the second inning because of COVID and everything. Sean Manaya's last start against Tampa Bay was the 2019 wild card game, which was not a good day for me because that day I also got my appendix out. But they lost that game, as we all know. That was Sean Manaya's last start against Tampa Bay. And in the second inning is when I realized that. I was like, oh, last time Sean Manaya pitched against these guys, he gave up a couple home runs, didn't make it very far. It was a different story after the first inning. In that first inning, I was kind of scared. I was like, oh, no, the leadoff single, runner gets to second, still on base. They played that first inning very well. They got a run across, and I think they did it on, like, one hit. A sack fly, moved the runner over, the stolen base. Good team baseball. Well, first batter of the game, if that's your only run, you're not going to have a lot of success. They almost did win. His offense, two games in a row, kind of hasn't showed up. But that's okay. That's okay when you get five innings of one-run ball from Sean Manaya. Hey, you take it. And when you get two innings of nothing, absolute just dominance from Ismero Petit, you take it. When you're eight and nine guys, Deekman and Trevino, each pitch an inning, each has some traffic, a hit and a walk, but hey, bullpen came in, pitched four innings, and didn't give up a run. You're going to win a lot of games if that happens. The bullpen which was looking not so great at all on any means in the beginning of the year, has really done a complete 180, turned themselves around. So you got you got to like that. you got to like that. Sean Murphy hitting the two-run home run. Matt Chapman, who really seems to be a walker strikeout. I don't know if I've seen another outcome from him in a while. It really seems like he's up there walking or striking out every single time. Last game, 0 for 2, 2 strikeouts, 2 walks. The game before, 0 for 2, 2 strikeouts, 2 walks. The game before, 0 for 3, 1 strikeout, 2 walks. What? Dude. You're going to have to start putting the bat on the baseball, my friend. 160 in the middle of this batting lineup. That's not doing anyone any favors. I mean, the A's are very streaky. You know, these guys are going to get hot. They're going to cool down. They're going to get hot. They're going to cool down. So the batting averages in the beginning of the year, you saw Jed Lowry hitting 360, and then you saw him go down to 240. Now it's back up to 280. Ramon Laureano, you saw him hitting over 300. His batting average is back down to 228. Mark Canna, you saw hitting over 300, back down to 250. Tony Kemp's never even sniffed 200 all year. Elvis Andrews hasn't sniffed 200 all year. Piscotti, his 220 average, I think he's struck out, actually, a lot in the past couple games. Yeah, he's 0 for his last 
Actually, that's not true. He's won for his last 10 with six strikeouts. Which is, in, he was hitting the ball very well to a very poor batting average. He had a lot of outs that were just hit right at people. He's had some unfortunate luck. But he's, but he had a, he missed a couple games. He had a child. Get right back in the swings of things. Congratulations. But you're hitting 220. Sean Murphy's hitting 160. Seth Brown is hitting 257. Seth Brown is very confusing because 3 for 4, 2 for 4, 1 for 4, 0 for 0 for 0 for. This team, kind of like Lizardo, they won 13 in a row, but, and they're showing that they can win games, they can blow you out, they can win tight ones. But the, the you know, they just have to... For them to have won 13 games in a row into the rotation pitched really well, but their lineup is just still very inconsistent. For them to have won 13 in a row without Matt Chapman hitting really at all, other than the Diamondback series, and that was the first two games of that. So you won 11 games with Matt Chapman pretty much contributing nothing to your team. He had a sack fly, walked a couple times, maybe had a single here, a single there. Maybe flirted with a double. You won 11 games with your best, your so-called best player not doing a dang thing. The team has to feel like they can go out and beat anyone when they're all clicking. And they can. They absolutely 100% can beat anyone when everyone is clicking. It's nice to see the team as a whole jump out to a quick start. You know, the team the past couple years has kind of slow, gone off to some slower starts. So maybe some of the players are still kind of in that mindset. Not in the mindset of a slow start. No one wants to start slow. You want to you want to be good consistently. But we've seen it in the past. So from a couple of these guys, I'm expecting them to turn it around. It's just hard to see Matt Chapman hitting 160 going into May. That's I mean, it's really, it's really, it's really hard to see <laughs> a lot of reallys, but it's really hard to see Matt Chapman not doing anything, and he's hitting fifth consistently, consistently hitting fourth or fifth in the lineup, and he's not putting the bat on the ball. So that's kind of tough. But they went, they went thirteen and one in their past two weeks of baseball. No complaints on that end. A couple things that you'd like to see get fixed. Maybe they will win that 14th game. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's baseball. There's a lot of stuff that happens. You can't be upset with a loss to Baltimore. I'm on, I'm in Facebook, A's fan groups. And I saw a lot of people upset that they lost. I'm like, dude, or woman, we just won 13 in a row. What are you complaining about? It's like, what team has ever gone 162 and 0? No team ever has or will do that. Teams lose baseball games. Yeah, it sucks you lose to Baltimore, but you won 13 in a row. Like I really don't understand. It's like you take a take a step back, realize what just happened. Your team that started one and seven is now in first place two weeks later. So chill, and you win the first game against Tampa Bay, right? So you're right back into the win column. So there's a lot of teams, or a lot of players, no, a lot of fans, just had to cycle through everyone, 
A lot of fans that I saw were very upset about that loss. But overall, you can't be upset. It happens. Teams lose baseball games, especially after winning 13 in a row. I was sitting there watching the game. I'm like, even if they lose, I'm, I'm it's going to stink, but I'm not going to be upset. I'm just excited for this Tampa Bay series. And then to go play Baltimore again at the end of the week. You can't be upset after losing. You can't be upset with that loss to Baltimore. You could be bummed, but you can't actually be, like, upset, upset that they lost that game to Baltimore. If you win 13 games in a row, and then you lose, you, you should be very proud of yourself, and I'm sure all of them are. As a fan, I'm trying to think. You, a boxer, goes 13-0 in his first professional fights, and then in his 14th fight, he gets caught and he gets beat very quickly. Maybe it was a fluke. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe he misread something. Just like, is that boxer still bad? Is he lost? Does that mean he sucks now? He's thirteen and one. No, he's still really good. The A's—they lost to Baltimore. They turned this season around so quickly. There's still a chance that with Chapman not hitting, and if some of these other guys start to fall off, that they could fall into another skid. But the rotation has stepped up, and the bullpen has stepped up. In the first week of the season, nothing was clicking. Nothing at all was clicking. And now the pitching is the pitching's there. The offense, they score 13, they score 7, they score 8, they score... You know, they'll do it, but they're not getting production out of everyone. In that game, they won 13-2, to or 13-12... to Another game from the lefties that I was saying. You saw Mitch Moreland and Matt Olson. Mitch Moreland at two home runs against Minnesota. Matt Olson hit a home run later that game. Game three against Minnesota. Matt Olson hits two home runs. Seth Brown hits a home run. So the lefties in that series, like I was saying, the lefties need to step up. They stepped up. So you're right. You're thirteen and one. Then you beat Tampa Bay. Game one of the series. And then you got game two against Tampa Bay. Well, you know, it's game two. Tampa Bay, every time the A's play Tampa Bay, I always feel like the A's are the underdogs. No matter how good Tampa Bay is, no matter how good the A's are. I don't know why, but to me, I always feel like Tampa Bay has a really good chance at winning. Because they're like, they are like the A's of the East Coast, right? So, game two, Frankie Montas after getting roughed up by the Twins. And then the old Cardinal, Michael Waka. So, a good pitching matchup in game two, going into it. And the outcome, well, that was not what anyone had hoped. That was a very frustrating game, pretty much from the second inning on. They were only able to score two runs after the second inning where they only scored one after having the bases loaded and nobody out. So, the bottom of the first, Tampa Bay scored, leadoff triple. Seems like you're there about a score, but Frankie Montas did good to limit it to one and not let Tampa Bay kind of jump on them and start taking advantage of them early. So, Tampa Bay scored one in the first, and then in the second inning, 
you have a single by Moreland, a single by Murphy, and a single by Piscotti. So, three straight singles, and the bases are loaded. Benimo Machine, defensively, in that first inning when he when they scored that run, you don't know if Matt Chapman would have made that play. It was infield in, a uh, hard hit, kind of chopping ground ball. Hit off his stomach. Ended up being safe at home, safe at first, gave him an error. You don't know if Chapman would have made that play or not. So, you're down one nothing because of that. And then you come up with the bases loaded. And then you're swinging at the first pitch. And then you foul off the next pitch and then you roll over. And you have a little dribbler down the first baseline. You score a run. And then Andrews swung at the first pitch, popped up. And Mark Hanna ended up getting out. And that pretty much was it. There was a lot of balls that were hit pretty hard that just couldn't find their way through. Very frustrating. Piscotti had one at the wall. Loriano hit one at third or at shortstop. Marcana hit one to second base. All balls that were hit over 100 miles an hour and all balls that found gloves. I mean, it's just, it was one of those days. And then you can't really, after that, Michael Walker pretty much was just kind of on cruise control. The defense really kind of allowed that to happen. He gave up some loud outs, but the defense, when you're playing that good, the ace defense, I think a couple weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, had committed five errors, and I think since then I've seen them make a couple. So their defense has kind of slacked off a little bit the past couple games. Elvis Andrews botched the ball, I think, against Minnesota. Machine today, and then Olsen and Loriano each had an error. Montas had an error today. So they've made like five errors in the past week, and that's how many they had for about the first two weeks of the season. So that's never a good sign. In the bats, I'm not sure. They scored seven against Baltimore, and then they scored two against Baltimore. They scored one against Baltimore, two against Tampa Bay. And now three today, so they haven't scored that six runs in the past three games. Later today, Tyler Glass now, who I think is kind of finally coming into his own in the playoffs last year. He pitched pretty well throughout the regular season. He pitched pretty well. It was kind of a lot, a weird year last year with COVID and the shortened season and everything. But Tyler Glass now still found his way onto the World Series team, and he pitched very good in that series, and it's carried over into this year. Tyler Glass now this year has taken over the ace spot for that team after losing Blake Snell, after losing Charlie Morton, who was there the past two years. Blake Snell now in San Diego, Charlie Morton now I think with Atlanta, I think, not totally sure, but you have Tyler Glass now now, Tyler Glass now coming in with 30 and two-thirds innings pitched and a 2.05 ERA, which is not quite the best ERA in baseball, but he's sniffing that mark. He's not too far away. Jacob deGrom, of course, 0.55 ERA. There's some crazers that are pitching really well to start the year, and he is one of them. So it's going to be a tough go for the A's. You just hope that they can kind of do what they did in the first inning, but then cash in. It was nice to see them make contact, get some guys on base, but 
what I was just complimenting on, they didn't really do in the Tuesday night game when they had runners on. Granted, there were not a lot of runners on after the second inning, but when there were really bad approaches, and to me it seemed like the worst approaches came out of Venomel Machine. Too many times was I seeing him with runners on base, swinging at the first pitch, popping it up, taking a strike, and you're down a quick 0-2. That was shades of Chris Davis watching him play today. Someone that just looks like he's about... He looks very capable of getting hits. Not the power of Chris Davis. But it just seems like every bat I see him in, he's down 0-2. There's a lot of guys on this team that seems like every bat that I see them, they're down 0-2. And one of those guys, Matt Chapman, who ended up getting to pinch hit. He ended up making the last out of the Tuesday game. 0-for-1 with a strikeout. As I was saying, strikeout or walk seems to be kind of where he's at right now. Not seeing the ball well at all. It's pretty... You know that he's going to turn it around, but to what point? Because he looks very lost at the plate. He shows glimpses, but it's not sustained, which is kind of worrisome. Maybe it's just like, oh, did he just get lucky? But... His defense is still good, so he's going to get opportunities, especially with Venomel out there. You're not going to win. If that's your replacement, then just go home. Matt Chapman's going to be out there. He's going to have to start hitting, though. He has to start hitting. Which I've talked about. He's been one of the guys that I've said that needs to step up for the past couple weeks now. So, you have Glass now on Wednesday, and then on Thursday to close the series... Last I checked, I thought, I don't know if there were starters for that announced. I think that it would be Cole Irvin, possibly. I'm not totally sure. I don't think the starters have been announced for that yet. But Thursday and Wednesday now are pretty big because Tampa Bay is a team that clearly, they won the World Series last year. They're a very good team. And you don't want to lose the series. You don't want to already kind of dig yourself in a hole with another team that you might see at the end of the year. Because after the A's have lost to lost brutally to the Astros and Dodgers, they played the Diamondbacks, they played the Tigers, they've played Baltimore, and they've played the Twins. Nothing against them, but out of all those teams, the Twins might be the likely, the only likely one to have a chance at being in the playoffs. And so now here you are, you sweep them. And then you're in another series against a team that you could see in the playoffs. Your offense isn't showing up, and you're playing Tampa Bay-style baseball. Their bullpen is very good. And the ace success has come when they score late off of team bullpen. Baltimore has a very good bullpen, which I did not realize. And they kind of shut the A's down after the starters left in those games. John Means pitched that Sunday. The A's scored one run. The A's scored... Seven runs on Saturday, but none after the fourth inning. So the bullpen really did a good job of shutting them down, and that's kind of where the A's strike. It seems like it takes them a time through the order to kind of get a read on a pitcher, and then you have a window of two, three, four, I think, or the third, fourth, fifth inning for the starter to kind of get to him, which is kind of where they score. And then if the bullpen comes in after that and you're still feeling good, 
then that's where the momentum carries on. But when the bullpen comes after you start seeing the starter and you can't pick up the bullpen, I mean, a lot of teams are going to lose that way, but that's how the A's seem to be losing their games when they can't score off the bullpen. That seems like an issue that they've had for a while, to me anyway, is not being able to score off the starters. I feel like last year especially, it seems like the A's were getting no hit through the first three innings a lot, or maybe one hit or two hit, maybe a walk, just like not good at bats. So that's going to have to be something that gets picked up, especially against Tampa Bay with the good starters. you got to have to make them work. Tie out that bullpen. It was nice to see the closer in today. Sean Murphy hit that home run. That was great. You could hear it. As soon as as soon as soon that ball left the bat, it was just a matter of where was it going to land. How far was that thing going to go? You knew instantly. Sean Murphy's capable of doing that a lot, and he's been putting some good swings on the balls. I think that that's two straight games with a home run for him. So Wednesday, Thursday, look for him to keep getting hot, and then that's big because maybe... It seems like we're trying to find someone to put behind Matt Chapman. So maybe he could start to get some more hittable pitches, but no one... It's kind of been the top of the order this year that's been more consistent. The bottom of the order, Andrews Piscotti has been... He got robbed again today. He's hitting the ball hard, but nothing to show for it. There's just a lot of guys that aren't really producing, but have shown glimpses. Pinder, when he comes back, that'll be huge. But there's just a lot of guys that need to step up. And that leads us into the next segment of Who Needs to Step Up, which is sponsored by House Doctor Painting. House Doctor Painting, located out of San Jose, has provided quality painting in the Bay Area for over 30 years. A proven 21-step preparation process will ensure your paint job looks spectacular for years to come. Owner of five consecutive years on Angie's List Superior Service Award, House Doctor Painting is a fully licensed and insured painting contractor, able to take on any painting challenges. We specialize in exterior and interior painting of homes, duplexes, condos, townhomes, apartments, rental properties, and restoration of Victorian homes. If you're in the Bay Area or around San Jose, give House Doctor Painting a call at 408-979-0555 or go to housedoctorpainting.com. Bay Area painting since 1989 for the health of your home. So, Matt Chapman... Elvis Andrews, y'all need to step up. I say it every week. Sergio Romo, I'm not even putting on the list anymore because it seems like everyone is kind of on to Sergio Romo and the fact that he just doesn't have it this year. You can't keep saying he's going to step up when he's shown no signs. He's a 37-year-old reliever who really has one pitch, and as soon as he hangs it, it's over the fence. Because then it just turns into even more of a batting practice fastball, more than the one that he already has. So with Fires going to the bullpen, I think that Sergio Romo, we might see him get the boot here pretty soon. That could be one of the next guys out. I I was kind of ripping on Guadin earlier. I was saving it for now. He pitched a good eighth inning, kept the A's in that game against Tampa Bay. So I'll give him credit there. Got to get the wildness under control. That seems to be his issue. 
But he pitched a good eighth inning against a really good team. He's faced some lefties, throws hard. So I guess it's nice to have that arm. Another lefty in the bullpen that throws hard, that struggles to throw strikes, Jake Diefman. So today, I'm just going to say Matt Chapman and Elvis Andrews. Elvis, I'll start with Elvis Andrews before I get more into Matt Chapman, who I kind of already talked about. But Elvis Andrews, he had three straight games where he went he went 1-for-4, 1-for-4, and 2-for-4. He's followed that up with three straight offers. He's really... It seems like he's tr- trying too hard to find a, a pitch that he could hit that he's going even more so out of the strike zone than usual. Elvis Andrews, if I remember correctly from watching him with the Rangers for all those years, I wouldn't say a free swinger, but definitely someone that w- could hit bad pitches a bad ball hitter in baseball just someone that kind of got an had a knack for getting on base swinging at pitches out of the strike zone but when you're struggling you got to shorten the zone i could understand maybe wanting to go out and try to hit something you kind of saw jose altuve doing that last year he's always been a free swinger but even more so last year he was swinging at everything trying to get something to drop and this year we saw he was more patient Elvis Andrews has struck out looking a lot, and he's also struck out swinging on some bad pitches. And today, bases loaded, one out, fastball, like, I think Waka was maybe throwing 92, or on Tuesday. Popped it up, didn't even leave the infield. Like, take the first pitch. It's nice, you got your pitch up, you're trying to drive it, but you shouldn't be trying to hit a sacrifice fly. Look for a pitch that's in the strike zone, not an 0-0 fastball out of the strike zone with the bases loaded and one out. A team that struggles to get runners in already. Like person that's been struggling to get runners in already. So that was really frustrating for me. His defense, he made some errors. He, like I said, he booted one of the balls last week. But his defense has been pretty good. I can't complain about him defensively. But hitting, other than Matt Chapman right now, everyone's kind of slowed down. Seth Brown got a hit. I was saying that he's a guy that needs to step up, but Seth Brown has definitely stepped up and has done a lot, so I am very comfortable with where with how Seth Brown is playing. So really, when I'm looking at their team, the guys that need to step up really are can't Chapman and Andrews. Loriano's kind of in a rough stretch right now, but he was really hot to start the year, and he kind of was the offense early in that winning streak. So I'm going to give him another week before I kind of probably start overreacting on him. But Chapman, as I explained earlier, he came in in the ninth inning. He was the last out. He struck out. That's now six strikeouts in the last four games. He's just not seeing the ball well. He's also walking a lot so also I think what's happening is that he is not disciplined enough to wait for his pitch and when he gets it he's trying to do too much with it and he'll foul it straight back I think he's just so anxious because he's walking they're scared of him I think that Olsen needs to hit behind him someone needs to hit behind him that's that's a threat Mitch Moreland hit behind him I think the last game possibly but you know, Mitch Moreland's a 250 hitter. Nothing against Mitch Moreland. He could leave the yard on anyone. But Matt Olson right now, he had another two hits. He's hitting over 300. One of The only guy on the A is hitting over 300. So I think 
it's kind of hard to have Matt Chapman hit before Olsen because Olsen's getting on base and Chapman's not. Well, he's walking. And you're not going to want to walk him and then have a guy on base for Olsen. So we'll get some pitches to hit if he's sitting in front of Olsen. Which you think might be good for him if he could stay disciplined off the breaking stuff that seems to get him to swing and miss a lot. So Matt Chapman, I think that it'll get figured out. I think that where he is in the lineup and who's around him could have something to do with it. Matt Olson is the biggest threat in that lineup right now, and he's hitting right before Matt Chapman, who's really not getting pitched to. So, like I was saying with the lefties needing to step up, they have, but I think that Matt Chapman might need to hit before Matt Olson if he's gonna if that average is going to start to drop. Because Matt Chapman hitting under 200 in May is not... Is terrible. That's terrible. A whole month in our supposed best player is off to a terrible start. But I say that as the A's are 15-9, and I think the three seed as of right now in the American League and in first place in the division over Seattle. I think by two games. So we have a two-game lead over Seattle. Our best player isn't doing anything. Houston's starting to heat up a little bit. They're starting to get their guys off the injured list, or if, if they haven't yet, it should be back soon. They have five guys hit it at the same time, so you know they'll probably, I think, all in the 10-day IL, so they should all kind of be coming back pretty soon. So Houston's definitely going to start winning some games. They, de they already have since they kind of started struggling. Houston's on the come-up. They've won. They lost a lot in a row, and then they won five out of their last six. So Houston's kind of getting back into the swing of things. That's the thing about these early season skids is, I mean, we saw it. They started 1-7, and seven and now they're in first place. The Astros started 7-0, and oh and they were in last place, and now they're climbing back up the division. So in order for them to, for the A's to p pick it up, you're going to have to get something more than defense out of the left side of your infield. But Jed Lowry, he's not hitting over 300 anymore. He's not getting two hits a game anymore. That kind of hot stretch for him is over, which is something that happens with Jed Lowry a lot, where he gets off to a really start a hot April, and then kind of slows down, and then you'll see him kind of hitting between 260 and 280 for a while, and he'll probably finish the year hitting 260 with anywhere between 10 to 15 home runs. That's Jed Lowry, and that's pretty much what he's been. So, next week, we still have the two against Tampa Bay, and we have Another weekend series against Baltimore, which starts Friday, which will be really good for this team after a tough schedule or after a tough series against Tampa Bay. Always play the ace tough. You go back home to play Baltimore. And then next time I talk to you, the A's will be either finishing up or they will be in game three of a four game series against the Blue Jays. So Marcus Simeon will be in town. The Blue Jays, the young Blue Jays, will be in town. So, for the A's, they got to focus on these next two games, and they did a really good job of not overlooking Baltimore the last time. Before the game, or Shooty Babbitt, I think, was saying, you got to make sure you don't overlook Baltimore. They're professionals, and they came out and they won. The first two games, they didn't overlook them. Obviously, the last game, the bats didn't show up. But don't overlook Baltimore again. Take, play them how you did the last time, and then get ready for that Blue Jays series. And then after the Blue Jays series, you got the Rays again. So you have two more against the Rays, and then you kind of have a series against Baltimore, like the last one. 
hopefully the starters can pick up. Maybe the bullpen gets rested and you get ready for that stretch where it's going to start to pick up in May where the schedule kind of toughens up. You have a lot of division games. There's going to be a lot of teams that could be there in the playoffs. So it's going to be a fun month of May and Chapman and Andrews need to step up if they're going to be competitive in these games. Because these are all teams that are hungry. The Rays lost the World Series. They want to get back there. The Blue Jays, they had Simeon and Springer. They're trying to get there. They're trying to get past the Yankees and Tampa Bay. The Angels are going to be coming into town in May. We're going to see Seattle, who we haven't seen. So May's going to be a crazy month. And the A's have set, them up, set themselves up nicely after such a very poor start. So going into Wednesday, the Wednesday game, the A's are 15-9 and and in first place. And from the first week, I'm happy. They've won 13 out of their last 15 games. They lost two out of their last three, if you want to think about it like that. But they, they were bound to lose one, and they got beat by a really good team on Tuesday. The A's are also a really good team. I expect them to bounce back. The rotation, I think, has really made a statement. Montas struggled, but he was resilient, and he kind of battled through it after the first inning. Shamanaya has been dominant. I was kind of saying, what are we going to get from him? He was struggling, but he's a completely different pitcher after that first start. I'm liking where the A's are at, and all of you guys should too. It's going to be a fun month of May. And until next time. He is the pitching version of Nomar Garcia-Parra. Oh, and that one is belted to deep left field. And that baby is gone. Four hundred and fifty-four feet is the estimated distance of that home run by Murphy, and they may have shortchanged him a little bit. Customers, tenants, and visitors get their first impression of your business right in the parking lot. Pave the way for a beautiful experience, attracting and retaining tenants, residents, and protecting your business against liability with asphalt paving and concrete services from American Asphalt. Show us your ugliest asphalt, your worst sidewalks, your faded parking lot striping. We'll restore it to its former glory. Our award-winning team has the experience and equipment to tackle your toughest paving challenges. We've been serving the San Francisco Bay Area since 1983. American Asphalt is your one-stop source for paving services in the Bay Area. We specialize in all aspects of concrete and asphalt, serving a range of industries, including residential communities, commercial and industrial complexes, schools, restaurants, wineries, special event centers, and more. We are committed to serving the communities we work for. The road to success is always under construction. Ensure your business is at its best with industry-leading asphalt paving and concrete services from American Asphalt. Contact us today by going to www.americanasphalt.com.